We be grinding all week just to find us a guest. First round of funding, it's time to invest. Pardon me if you all leave unimpressed, but pardon me if you all leave all obsessed. See, you can hold me accountable to following my dreams and working like an animal. I'm building something tangible and everything, anything you can have it. I'm just doing this for me, but I hope it reaches Hello, welcome to the Imposter Interrupted Podcast. This is episode eight-ish. Today... My guest is Anid Maloui. She's a business and tax lawyer and the founder of her own firm. She's really young, really cool. Her firm is almost all virtual um, and she really specializes in business and tax law for startups and for young people and especially women. And then her side hustle is an online creative business school called Aim Higher Daily where she works a lot with Canadian people but also women um, in Africa and she helps them online to build their businesses with the first module I'm doing it is about all about mindset and the second module is about um, finding your ideal client and kind of like really fleshing out all these ideas. She's like a really inspirational in terms of confidence and grit she like basically went to a law firm was like no this is not for me I don't want to have to wear a suit like I'm gonna figure it out and just do things on my own terms and really throughout the whole her whole experience has trusted herself to just have good ideas and have the right ideas and she's just followed her gut and it's really brought her to good places so I hope you enjoy that interview um, that's coming up. And then another thing to say is I recently went to, you guys, if you know me, know that I love um, these two girls, Desiree and Joelle, and together they're Lelila. They're going to be um, my podcast guests. We've already done the interview, but I'm going to put it out in two weeks. Uh, they're really amazing. Lelila is a society where people come together, I would say every other month or so, and share stories. So there are five speakers and they really share like raw, vulnerable stories and it helps you to, all the women feel connected to each other and it's just like a really loving and amazing um, vibe. But Lelila hosted a their first workshop with Rosanna Tomiak, who is a previous guest on this podcast, where we would were finding our why. So the podcast is based on the Simon Sinek book, Find Your Why, and we really explored like all of the peaks and valleys in our life and how our experiences have molded the way that we see the world and, and impact the, the impact that we want to have on the world. So um, I thought that was really interesting and I think that my why is becoming more and more aligned with the work that I do at work and outside of work, or this is also work, but my side hustle and my main hustle are becoming more aligned as um, time goes on and it's super exciting for me. And the last announcement is that I'm going to be holding an event, a speed mentoring event called Find Your Media Mentor on November 21st at Lord William Pub in the Point St. Charles in Montreal. A speed mentoring event. So there will be between four and five mentors and each mentor will have a a certain amount of time, like 15 to 20 minutes with a group of four or five people. And it will be... 20 minutes each, and then like a speed dating format. So small groups on one mentor. I have some really awesome media mentors. Sophia Salador, who's an associate producer of the Just for Laughs Festival. She creates all the lineups, like, and is almost single-handedly responsible for GFL 42, which is Toronto's 
uh, comedy festival. I have Kim Sullivan, who does the weather on Global, and she hosts two t- two shows on Matt TV, which is Videotron's channel. And she has a really interesting story. She was a teacher, and she kind of like changed careers and became. Um, you know, a successful person in the Montreal English media, which is really kind of hard to do and, and interesting to hear about. And then I have Sarah DeHay, who's a morning producer at CJAD um, and Bell Media, and and more, t- more are being confirmed, but that's for now a sense of what my panel is going to be. And that's November 21st at Lord William Pub. I hope that I have a full house. Anyways, enjoy the episode. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for so having exciting. Me. Um, so really, like I start this conversation always by asking what the story you tell yourself about yourself is. So you know, sometimes we carry negative stories around and we carry positive stories around. And I imagine because you're, you've really like been a great success that you carry an interesting story and kind of like <laughs> a complex story. So I wonder if you could tell me your story. So basically, I was raised, born and raised in Montreal, made it to CJEP, I went to Vanier, and then it was time to kind of pick where you want to go, are you going to be going to med school or whatever, and then my parents were very insisting on the type of career I could do, so they were like, well you could go to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, and then at this point I didn't really like maths. Yeah. So like I'll just go for uh, law, and also they were telling me that there's no, there you, you can't do wrong if you're gonna go to law school because it's always gonna lead to something. Yeah. And at this point, I think it's kind of hard to know what you're gonna be doing for the next years of your life at such a young age. So at this point, it was more of I can't be wrong doing this thing, and I'll figure it out down the road. So I went to law school and actually liked it, but at the same time, I find that doing your first undergrad you just have you need at least an undergrad to go on the job market so yeah. you just go through it some people would say was it hard and i'm just like when you have to do something you just do it at this point you don't ask yourself so i didn't think it was hard i just did it and then when i got into law school everyone was talking about these big firms and the fact that you had to get into a big firm and i was like what are these big firms because i had no one in my family who was a lawyer so I, ha- I had no clue about that background mm-hmm. i did not even know there was this thing called bar school i just went to <laughs> law school and i found out that you had to do bar school and then get articling and then get a job in a big firm so then i started to do the process when every year in february there's this thing called coso stash okay and then you're trying to get this stage in a big firm course is like race to the yeah okay it's <laughs> like eight weeks and then the big firms come to your school to kind of see what they do then you can visit them then you apply then just like deadlines and everything so i did the process a bit got three interviews then i went to visit but none of that was kind of appealing to me mm-hmm. and none of these people looked like me either it was kind of very white old man type of thing so I was like, okay, I didn't get a job in a big firm, but I'll figure it out, like, whatever. So went through law school, then I'm done, and it's time you still need to get your articling. So I was looking for one, just as a regular person looking for a job, and still nothing was kind of appealing. And between getting my stage and finishing birth school, I did get a job, not in law, just at Bell, working in the labor relations department just to get out of the headspace of being always in the legal stuff 
and then I also went on a trip to Southeast Asia after birth school and I was like is this gonna be it like you just go like you just did this whole thing then you go to school then you get this job and traveling to these places is just this once in a lifetime type of thing yeah and when you go so far away I find that you feel so little like you're just a tiny little person in the world it changes your perspective yeah really and at first I was like okay when I'm gonna go back I want to be able to run a virtual offer like I want to be able to not have an office and work with people from like well, it has to be in Quebec, but I wanted to not have to be there physically. Mm-hmm. Then I found this lawyer online who was doing it in the United States, Rachel Rogers, and she was like the person I was looking up to, even though I've never spoken to her or met her. But just because she was black and she was doing that, I thought it was amazing, and mm-hmm. she was doing business law. So then I kept that in mind, and I found my my former articling position in this small firm in Montreal, and it was a female lawyer. So the, and she was kind of young, so I was like, oh, this is possible. This is going to be my mentor. This is the person I'm going to be working with for the next couple of months. And I want to go on my own. So it's perfect. So I learned everything there. It was exactly what I wanted to do. And then when I was done, I decided to go ahead and start my firm. It wasn't virtual and still, well, it still is and isn't. Some people would say it is just because I really don't meet my clients that much, but I don't travel the world all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's not like you're not having your Skype meetings. Yeah. I, I actually have Skype meetings for those who really want to see my face, but most people, I don't meet them. Okay. Like this month, I think I've met two clients. Otherwise, everything is online. And if they insist, I'm like, well, if you really want to come see me in Burden, you go and do that. <laughs> and so does your... Um, does your firm have like a mission especially like for inclusivity and diversity of your clients or like promoting that since that's something you were looking for in your in your career or like that's something that you lacked yeah i would say um when i started it people had a like lawyers are really have a really bad rep like people you would say you're a lawyer people look at you like you're gonna steal their money you're gonna bill them a hundred thousand dollars for no reasons so I was like, okay, I need to get out of this because we're a lot of lawyers in Montreal. We're over 25,000, mm-hmm. all in Quebec, and then 15,000 in Montreal. So I was like, how do I distinguish myself from this market that saturated? So I targeted young entrepreneurs and startups, and I said I would be transparent about the pricing, and I would do packages and bank of hours. So at first, it was really more telling these young entrepreneurs, you can trust your lawyer, like it doesn't have to be an expense, you can invest in this and I'm going to be your partner and help you out with this. So I got a lot of younger people with that. And then naturally, because I'm black and I'm a woman, I ended up having people from minorities and women coming to me because they felt comfortable because I look like them. Yeah. Thing. So I didn't have to say that part. It was It just came that people would were drawn to me because of that Mm -hmm. i don't think that a lot of people would even have the confidence or like this the self-awareness to be like i need to distinguish myself instead of just trying to fit in or like be the best in that cohort to be like okay like i need to make my own thing i need to distinguish myself like right away how did you get the confidence to do that actually it came naturally just because it's so bizarre i think i I don't think i'm rebellious but i think there's some type of thing where i always question the status quo in Mm -hmm. a way so if people say you have to do things this way and go this way, I'm always going to be 
asking why in some type of way. So when people would say, um, if you're going to be a lawyer, you need to wear a suit, you need to talk some type of way, you need to look like this. I was like, but why? Like, I actually don't want to wear a suit. Like, can't I just wear my ripped jeans and still work with clients that I like? Like, why does it have to be this way? And then when I did my website, I was like, why does it have to look so gray? Like, can't I just have colorful, like orange and blue and still be a lawyer? And that's what I did. Like, my website was completely different. So I'm always questioning, and I guess it just... That's how it's reflected in my behavior and how I created this thing. It was really, I was really, really just trying to be myself. And I guess it requires confidence, but I just, it's also just knowing who you are and kind of trying to own to that. Mm -hmm. Is that something you think you've always known? Not necessarily. I think you kind of learn your, to get to know yourself throughout the years. And for me, I think it was really between finishing university and starting this thing that I really starting to think about what is it that I want and who I am. Mm -hmm. Because of course, when I told my parents at first that I was going to be a lawyer, but now do my own thing, they were like, oh, that's not <laughs> what we meant. <laughs> we, we didn't mean for you to start your business. We were just saying you should be a lawyer. So they were really, really against it. Oh, my mom doesn't say anything she just lets me go and she sees that i'm doing something that makes sense but my dad was like why 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 can't you just get experience but i just felt that i wasn't gonna be myself it was i was gonna do that mm -hmm. so i don't think i always had that but it just grew do you think you cultivated it at all did you do practices that you think helped you or read books or like developed interests that helped you to learn about yourself? I think I always had an interest in self-development books. Ever, like, ever since I was young, my dad would always tell me, oh, you're always reading these self-help books, but I didn't necessarily need help, but I was just into really understanding who you are and how to be, I guess, more confident. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think you have to cultivate it because even as you grow, at some point you're gonna see your friends do something and then you might be influenced to do the same thing because it seemed like this is the right thing at a certain page like you should get a house you should do this and do that so i think it's about always being self-aware i do a lot of self-awareness where i'm gonna ask myself why do i feel this way right now or what is it that i really want mm -hmm. and then you kind of i guess listen to your intuition and go with that do you have a specific like any book recommendations that helped you along the way that I don't have something that comes to mind that's regarding maybe self-help, but there was the book from Deepak Chopra saying uh, the seven spiritual laws of success. I would It's super short, so I would read it on a regular basis and kind of teaches you how to act as a human towards the people that you surround yourself with, just to be better and hence attract more success. Great. That's so interesting. So my this podcast is about imposter syndrome have you ever really experienced that i don't know if it's exactly the imposter syndrome because i think the imposter syndrome is when you're doing so great but you think it's based on luck type of thing it depends like when you it's when you feel like you yeah you got something somewhere by luck or you're like fooling everyone and eventually people are going to realize that like mm -hmm. you 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 got the easy bar exam you know <laughs> you're like, no. or like you're only successful because you have so much family support and if you didn't have support you wouldn't be successful or whatever it's a very like fixed mindset um thing but 
it's something that affects a lot of high high achievers. Mm-hmm. It's funny because for this one, I think at first when it was about to go like public and say I'm doing this thing, I was really afraid. I wouldn't tell my friends. I had to really force myself to tell my boyfriend and my parents just because I was afraid of people's reaction for not wanting to just get a job. And then I was afraid of people's reaction for doing this thing so early. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want people to think, oh, who does she think she is? Or how do you think that you're going to be able to handle these mandates? You barely have any experience of a thing. So that was my biggest struggle is how to overcome that in a sense and be able to tell people this is what I'm going to be doing and I'm trusting my abilities to deliver. Mm-hmm. But then I actually changed my my mindset towards the way that men think in a sense that, you know, when men get a promotion or they apply for this job, they can actually have no clue how they're going to deliver the work, but they'll be like, I'm doing this thing. Like I'm yeah. applying for it. I'm going to accept this promotion. So I was like, you know what? I'll just figure it out along the way mm-hmm. and I'll just go for it. So it was more about shutting down other people's opinions and just going at it and thinking, I'll figure it out. Like I must know for sure someone who's done that before and I'll just figure it out. And also... Uh, it has nothing to do with imposter syndrome, but I feel that people or women, we tend to put pressure on ourselves to make sure that we know the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. So people would be like, but how do you know this? And if the client asks you that, how would you know? Research. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that. Yeah. Literally, just research. And I would be quite honest with my client, like, mm, no clue about this thing, but hey, you are in me to get the answers, so I'll go and figure it out. Instead of trying to figure out some type of answer and you don't look like you know everything, I would be like, I don't know. I'll just go back to you with the answer. So I think it's really about owning to the fact that you don't know yet and that you can figure it out. Yeah. And so your business, you're like very present on social media. You have a super robust like social media um, channels and has your business extended beyond law and, and into other things? Yeah, so basically, um, I started the firm in 2015, and I really started using social media more, I would say, a year from now, so last August. Facebook, it took me a while to actually end up on it. I think I waited almost a year to create a Facebook, just because I was so, you know, companies have a Facebook page, but then I was like, I'm going to have five likes, and it's going to be mediocre. Yeah. So it took a long time to go on Facebook, but Instagram, I've, I've really been working on it for the past year, and from both my experience on social media and having other women come up to me i created this other platform called aim higher daily mm-hmm. and it's really to help other women create their business and it's strictly based on my experience like everything i've done for social media or just being known as an expert or putting yourself out there i had to go through it for the past year so it's strictly based on that but i started using social media to help me with that because my personal Instagram page is really just about things I like, like inspiring posts and stories. And it had nothing to do really about law. Although it says I'm a lawyer, but I didn't do it for legal advertising purposes. Yeah. And it just happened that people reached out because they liked it and they figured out I was a lawyer. But from there, I realized that there was potential for more. So that's when I went and added this project, which I launched last June. 
and I guess it goes beyond because now I'm also doing this thing online. Mm-hmm. And what does that project look like? So at first, when I started it, and I think it's gonna answer a question that you're talking about later for failure, because mm-hmm. I tried to launch this thing last year, and in August I was like, I'm launching Aim Higher. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna help women to start their business. And then I had no clue what I was doing with this thing. I was sharing inspiring posts, writing blog posts, but there was no structure to it and I had no clue what I wanted to do. So I just closed it down. And then it just kept coming back. Like I knew I had to do something about that. So in March of this year, I hired a coach. I was part of a, this group coaching where you had to kind of figure out what project you wanted to launch and you had eight weeks to do so. And it led me to launch it in June. And basically, at first in June, what it was, was to help women. It would be either on a one-on-one basis for a couple of weeks or just a few consultations here and there if someone already started their business. Mm -hmm. And it was about that. It was about helping them and that was it. But then as I was using social media and I was trying to do some Facebook ads, I tried looking up towards um, Africa and see if women in South Africa, because I've been in uh, January, so if women in South Africa would be interested into that thing. And then turns out that they really are. So we are now targeting three countries in Africa, but it completely changed again my business model because they do not have $2,000 to spend just like that to have me help them launch their business. Yeah. So I'm completely changing that and now I'm moving towards the membership model where I'm going to be having this platform where I put the learning material, like one class per month, templates and all of these things, and they can pay a small amount per month. Okay. So this is what I'm working on for next month. So I'm basically juggling these two. But what I like about these two things is that people won't really notice in the sense that if I'm doing a full video on how to get your clients, my clients of the law firm are like, oh, it's pretty cool that she's giving me advice on that. But the truth is I'm speaking to my woman from Aim Higher Daily. Yeah. So I like how I can kind of play with both. Play with both, yeah. I think it's so cool. Like, I think it's really cool how you just have done that. It just came to me, literally. <laughs> it came to me and that was it. Like, it seems like you just follow, like, you're just like, okay, like, I have good ideas. I know I'm smart, so I'm just going to do, like, really follow your intuition it, And you know, it brings me to the thing we just talked about, the confidence thing. And I was reading this article and for us women, we tend to overthink things. Yeah. So you'll have that idea, like let's say for the podcast, you may have it for months, but then you're thinking, should I do it? How do I do it? What do I do with this? But I was reading, you just have to take your idea and if you think it's good, you just go and you execute right away. Yeah. So that was just it for that. I was like, okay, let's just do it now. Like because sometimes I'll be I'll be I'll be home and I'll be like oh but who am I I have no business background and then people will say and sometimes I do think about yeah. it and then I have to shut these these voices I'm like okay I'm just doing it like someone needs it out there yeah well I also think like even if you're thinking that you have no business experience like business and like the economy and the job market and everything's just completely changing like every day yeah so it doesn't really even matter <laughs> like it's true. like you know you need to generate revenue and like that's the business principle that matters yeah but how you do it it's like really changing with the internet and globalization like mm-hmm. <laughs> and you I know think- if you have 40 years of experience it could actually be to your detriment mm, it's true because it's not as updated and for anyone i find that now internet is kind of 
such a great tool to be able to reach people anywhere that mm-hmm. really everyone should take advantage of that. And so with those two projects, or with your firm and your project, how much are you actually working? It's so funny that you ask me because my friend, she's a lawyer too, she works at, like she's my office neighbor, she took a week off, but she's home, like she's taking a staycation and yeah. I don't know about that concept. <laughs> and then she came and she was like, oh, when are you going to come and see me? Why don't you take your Tuesday afternoon off? And I was like, no. <laughs> but then I was like, but on Friday afternoon, I could come over. Like, I was like, you know, Fridays I always leave or I, I don't come to the office. So like, you, it's not that you don't come because it's a day off. You don't come because you're working from home. Like, you don't take days off. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Do I take a day off? And I think I work a lot, but it doesn't feel like it. And it depends on the seasons too, but let's say for a typical week, I'll get to the office around 9, leave around 4 or 5, and then it just doesn't feel like work for Imhire, let's say. Yeah. I'll go home and write content and articles, but I'm guessing I'm working, but, you yeah. know. And then on Sundays, it's my content day for, for the project. And I don't know, it feels so fulfilling. Like, yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. So I'm going to ask some other of my questions, but I'm just curious, like, you say Sundays is your content day. How are you managing your time? And is that something that comes naturally or is that something that you had to figure out? I think I had to learn it, in a sense, because at first when you're on your own, no one's going to tell you at what time to come in and things like that. Yeah. So I think I just had to be disciplined knowing, okay, at least show up at this time so then you get to do these things. Um, on the weekend, I guess I'll go with block of hours. If you try to do something all day long, it won't work. So I'm just, let's say I'm giving myself three hours, which never lasts just three. But at least that's how I'm, I promise myself or motivate myself to do so. So I think it's more of that. And you, I give myself deadlines. Like if I get a new client at the firm in two weeks from now, this client has to be done with me. Yeah. So it kind of forces me to execute as well. Okay. And um, so you talked about your friend who you work with and you have your boyfriend and your parents. What does your support system look like? Like who fills what role in that system? Uh, That's a good question. I think that my boyfriend plays a huge role in the support system part. Just because when I was about to start, it, it happened that he moved in with me and my parents. And it was literally the month that I was going to be starting. My dad was really not into it, so that wasn't going to be my support. Mm-hmm. And my mom was just... Whatever. Yeah, combined <laughs> stuff. So then he happened to move in, and I was really... N- like, I didn't know what I was going to be doing when I started that. Like, when I started, I'm an introvert, naturally. Mm-hmm. So when I started, I was like, okay, so I it's published on my website, and I'm done. And that's it. Like, I have a website, and you just I'm wait. registered, and like I'll just wait. Yeah. I was just home. <laughs> And he would go to work in the morning and come back. What did you do today? And I was like, oh, I was reading some more doctrine and cases. And he was like, but for what? And I was like, well, you know, in case someone asked me that question. <laughs> and he was like, that's never going to happen because no one knows that you're <laughs> doing this thing. And then he was like, you have to go out there and shake hands. And I was like, what does it mean? You know, like I was really, really out of this world, like really nowhere near what you see right now. And then I learned that you have to network, which was a new concept because throughout the whole law school thing, I hated it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, that's why. Like I clicked years later. 
so he was the person who was really pushing me to go out there because at this point I hit this moment where I was like you know what if doing my own thing means shaking hands going to networking I was like I'd rather get a job (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I'm getting a job and he was like do you seriously think it's gonna be easier to get a job with the current market it was like it's gonna take you as much time to get a job that it would take you to get a new client yeah and to learn how to network yeah (laughs) so i was like uh maybe you're right so i started like little by little and he was there pushing me the whole time and now it's growing and he's still helping me when i have more down moments or whatever so i would say that he like he plays a huge role my parents play a role too in a sense that now three years later they sense that it makes sense and they're happy about it Mm -hmm. um and my friends too just because being able to have my own thing means that i picked my location and now i i moved to verdun last year and then i ran into this friend i was referring to at ikea and she lives in verdun but i just ran into her and she's like i'm looking for an office in verdun it's like oh girl (laughs) come and she became a really good friend from that and the new lawyer that I onboarded this year turns out to be a friend. So every day I'm basically with my friends. Yeah. So it kind of feels like you're with your family and doing things that you like. And I even, like I just said, things that you like. But the truth is that your environment plays a big role. Just because I could write like contracts, but I couldn't do it all the time. Yeah. But having friends around you makes it fun. Yeah, exactly. So that plays uh, a yeah. huge part too. Um, and then... For networking, I'm curious how you became comfortable and actually quite good at that. You know what? I don't think I'm that good at networking, at least not for events. Like you saw, I met you at this event two weeks ago, but I stayed with that same girl the whole evening. (laughs) I was like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think I'm that good at going to these random events and meeting people. But what I figured out I would do is that I would do Mm one-on-one. So it's really about connecting with people and going for coffee, lunch, or at their office and really building relationship one by one. So that's how I ended up networking. And then it's such a small world that this person knows this person and then you look like you know everyone. Mm -hmm. But I really got to know them one by one. I don't think I've been to that many events where I left and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this client. Like it happened maybe twice, you know? Yeah so for me networking is really more about picking like the right people who you think you could really benefit from knowing and vice versa Mm -hmm. and reaching out to them that's the network i would say yeah i think so too like impactful relationships like quality over quantity exactly um so i think you might have answered this question but i'll i'll ask it again who like besides your parents and besides your boyfriend who have has had the biggest impact on your life whether you actually know them personally or not Mm, okay uh so this story i was talking about she's called rachel rogers and it's not even a lawyer anymore she actually but it's funny because as i'm gonna say what she does you'll be like oh there goes (laughs) a higher daily yeah (laughs) but she actually stopped being a lawyer last week uh, last year and now she's helping women start their businesses so basically i've just been following the footstep of this lady and uh, ever since I found out about her three years ago, like the law firm she was doing, I thought it was pretty cool. So I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to quit law, even if this goes bigger. Like I'm always going to keep that because I like it. But then she moved toward that because so many women wanting to start their own business. So now she's doing this full time. And 
it came to me also that based on my experience, I could do something similar. So this person definitely had an impact on me, I would say. Mm-hmm. Have you me. ever tried to reach out to her? I did. I wrote to her on LinkedIn. <laughs> I replied to the newsletter. But at this point, I think she's a bit too, uh, too busy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really admire you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's pretty crazy. You guys have a similar thing. And, and do you think, is she really the only person who you see doing what you're doing? Like... I think you have to pick who you're going to be looking up to because there are just so many people doing so many things. It's true, yeah. You could consume content from so many people. Like now I have two, I would say I have two people that I look what they're doing on a regular basis. There was this girl and there's this other one in Toronto. She's called Reese. Mm-hmm. She has this platform on Instagram called Yes Supply. Okay. I've been following her since 2015 as well, but she's the coach that I hired in, May, uh, in March. So I speak to her. And I thought that what she was doing was great. She was helping women start their businesses too, but mostly online businesses type of thing. And she's into NLP and all of these things. She's kind of another level and she's a life coach. But I really liked what she was doing. And it it felt so close also that she's just in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So these two, yeah. So yeah, you really have to. And then um, you mentioned this before, but do you have any other goals that you have not succeeded in accomplishing? It's, I don't know, I guess so. I guess so, but it's, I think it's always a question of perspective. Like, I'm so positive about everything that I might fail at something, but I just move yeah. on. Or it's like a work in process. Something is yeah. just, it's on the back burner, and you know that maybe it's not the time. Or exactly. Because, like, the, the project there we talked about, it could have been a fail, but for me, a fail is when you decide you're not going to do it at all. But then I redid it this, week, this year. But then sometimes goals, I would say, I wanted to do a podcast this year and last year in December I recorded like two episodes because I was like I want to at least get a few so when I launch it's going to be ready so I did these three and I was super into it and then I guess it failed because I published two and never published a third one because the partners who came they broke up it was a business they were business partners they broke up so I could not air it okay but then I guess that was a fail because I was like, you know what, this is not for me. I don't want to edit every single week. And then I will try to get this person to help me. This failed. And I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> and I was told the two person who I published, look, it's out there, but I'm not doing this anymore. So I guess this is a goal I really had in mind. I was really into that I just quit on. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> it's because you need to I was telling someone they were like what is it like your podcast I was like really high quality people like low quality audio (laughs) (laughs) that's the tagline um it is it's it's always hard to like it's long form so it is a lot of editing and everything um but I like it (laughs) yeah if you really have to find a purpose through it, because it's just as hard as doing it, anything else, I find, because you have to come through and be consistent. But on this one, I was just not. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably, I think we probably know the answer, but what's the most outrageous, like the mo- the goal you're the most proud of ac- having accomplished? Mm, you know, I mean, it's great to have the firm and everything, but I think the one I'm the most proud of is when I pay my employee like it's just this one girl I hired and she's my employee but every time I pay her I feel so like 
on purpose i'm like i'm helping someone like hey this is my money and now she's gonna go out there and she's gonna pay for school and go on vacation yeah <laughs> and i feel really excited about that oh it's that is enough. so cool <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're paying it forward, literally. Yeah, I feel like I'm useful. Like, this is not just cashing money for yourself. Like, someone is actually benefiting from this firm and what I'm doing. That's what I'm the most proud of. Wow, that's amazing. You have a very, like, charitable heart, I feel. Well, because, you know, you have to give to get, in a way. Yeah. And even sometimes when I'll be running out of money because I paid my employee, I paid this and I paid all the expenses and I'll be like, you know what, that last $50, I'll still give it because I'm realizing that you're never gonna, you, no one was ever broke from giving yeah. money. And most of the time if I give, like the following day randomly, I'm going to get money. Yeah. So I just give. And something that's really small for us is so big for, for others that it's important. Do you know Tony Robbins? Yes, although I don't follow him that much because he's like super intense with the jumping. Yeah, he's super intense. <laughs> but he has a story like that. Like he was on his last $5 and he like gave it to someone he felt needed it more. And then the next day he was like, he it, like the ball started rolling for him. Like he really advocates for that. It's true. Too. The it's most true. successful people really advocate for giving. So yeah. you're on your way to being most, one of the most <laughs> successful people. <laughs> awesome <laughs> and so you're very successful and you're doing all these great things but what is one like really outrageous goal that you're aiming for it's interesting because i was just telling uh, amy at the firm that you know some people they want to be millionaires or something like that and i'm not that like i don't want to say i'm not into it just because then i'm like like not attracting the money but <laughs> it's like if it comes to me fine but what i'm saying is i don't want to work so much that you work just to add more money to your bank account type of thing mm -hmm. like i really just want to be able to have these two things and then kind of enjoy life because at the end of the day for me being successful is just having a good quality of life yeah because really all i want throughout this whole thing is to be able to be myself when i go to the office and have an impact on people and that's what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I don't want to burn myself to just to do these things yeah so I would say the most atrocious thing I'd like to do has nothing to do with work but I'd like to be able to buy myself a house in South Africa and kind of travel back and forth wow and work at the same time I'm guessing for me that would be the perfect life quality that would be the best <laughs> and in terms of like supporting women like what do you hope the situation is like for women before you retire generally speaking like how do you hope that support for women that is available changes i think that you know there's this all these discussions and thing about not having equal pay thing as i don't have a job i don't know really what's the market about these things like i've heard about it and i was reading about it recently and it was kind of a shock to me that this was still a talk mm -hmm. like i actually can't comprehend that a woman doing the same thing wouldn't have the same salary yeah it's crazy. really confusing to me still like i really don't understand why this is the way it is mm -hmm. so that's definitely something i hope won't be an issue anymore but at this point i'm kind of past this because i don't expect people to kind of make things better for us i'm hoping just for women to be able to get the confidence they need that if they want deep down to start their own business i'm hoping that they just whoever wants to do it really gets it and goes and mm -hmm. does it because the feeling is amazing so for me it would be more of 
women being confident enough and trusting themselves to just do it and not having to fight the imposter syndrome and not accepting promotion and all of these things yeah. and so when you're doing your aim higher daily and you're talking to women who want to start a company and you come up against like mindset blocks is that something that comes up a lot yeah definitely and sometimes even like I'm reading a lot so I could help them more type of thing because this lady once she just wrote I'm 25 and I'm stupid so there's nothing to do and I was like <laughs> oh no <laughs> I was like oh my god and I have yet to answer to this person because it's the first time that she someone has. has such a huge mental block yeah like she was just done and I was like but it's so young and you're not stupid but like this is definitely something where people lack the confidence and they don't think that they could do it but always keep in mind for me or for whoever is that if you see other people doing great things like i'm doing this thing or whatever i'm no different than all these people and i'm no different than rachel that i was looking up to or reese or tony robbins yeah. it's really just all about going for it executing and never like never letting it go you just don't quit and you just go and you'll make it at some point so that's, that's it. That's how it is. And so do you have any like wellness self-care practices that help you to keep your mind healthy and, and um, be able to properly execute? Like how do you take care of yourself? Sleep is important. You know, all of all the things that I do, I never neglect sleep. Like I don't, I don't go out. I guess where I'm sacrificing <laughs> is my social life. Like I'll be just home. But sleep for me is super important. Like I really don't try for the whole sleep five hours. You don't like you have 18 hours a day type of thing. I'm not about that. Like I, I need my eight <laughs> hours of sleep. And on the weekends, on my Saturday, I will cancel plans just so I could sleep because I know I'll sleep all afternoon. So for me, that's my biggest self-care. And when it comes to my mental health, I would say, because sometimes you try to control so much because mm-hmm. I'm a control freak in a way but you have to let go especially when you don't really I can't really control that many things in a sense that I can do all the effort and all the marketing I can to get clients but at the end of the day I, I can't force people to come to me Yeah. so sometimes it's just ha- learning to let go and I, I'll have to remind myself sometimes halfway through the month I'm like it's fine like you're doing all that you can like people know you exist people know what you do and at this point just let it go like it's gonna come to you like you've done all that you could yeah so i think it's about reminding yourself to just breathe and let it go that's the thing that i'm dealing with the most i would say wow i'm doing this book called may cause miracles it's like a self-help book by this woman called gabrielle bernstein oh yes i've heard of her she's like She's very kind of like Cote St. Luke, like very relatable um, from New York, whatever. And it's like a it's like a 42 day practice where every day she like gives you some type of mantra like that. Like, like she yeah, like you have to like list all the fears you had in that day. So like whatever came up at work or in your relationship. And then you literally have to like cross it out with a pen and write like I let go. I choose whatever I choose love like. But it's really interesting, like, these journaling exercises, and and you see how far, like, some little thing like that, let it go, like, can actually take you. Like, it's so actionable. It sounds like nothing. But it, and if you write it down, and if you think about it, I'm sure that it has an impact. I'll get it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, And so I usually ask, as the last question, how you define success, but you already did that. 
So I'll ask you what you do in your life that like when do you feel the most beautiful and powerful or powerful? Um, I think that I feel powerful slash beautiful when I have to give conferences, I think. When I have to share my content and that people actually enjoy it, I feel this way, but only after. (laughs) (laughs) Prior and during, I'm like, oh my God, I'm hot and I'm hoping these people like what I'm doing. But then after, because they they will come up to me and give me their feedback, I'm going to have this rush and I'm going to feel very confident and really happy and like aligned. Mm -hmm. So that would be... And what is it about giving the the speak the public speaking in public versus like on the internet in a workshop video that gives you the is it the energy from the yeah, people? Yeah, because you see them, you know. And I do these Facebook lives, which I hate doing. I still do them <laughs> just because uh, I guess some people they like them, but I hate doing it just because when I'm doing it, I see this one, two, three. <laughs> zero and i'm just like oh my god (laughs) who are these people who am i speaking with are you liking this why are they gone so these are the thoughts that go through my mind (laughs) and then i just press done and i go and i'm just like oh this was so draining and then it's gonna take days for me to see the view and people replying (laughs) so i don't feel quite happy when i do these but when i do it live i see the people's faces and they comment to me right away and tell me so that's the difference and then after that, I guess you sleep for a million hours because yeah. as, as an introvert, <laughs> so you're so like, oh. Most of the time, I end up with a headache and my day is over. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. I love it.